Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's the Totally Football League show. Easter spectacular. 66 games in the EFL over the bank holiday. We'll preview them all. Not really. Uh, we will go deep on the big games, though, as well as reflecting on the midweek matches and speaking to the man who scored the goal of the week. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. A part two of your weekly TFLS fix is brought to you by me, Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined by Adrian Clark. I'm just wondering, Clarkie, if you've maybe got the most caps in TFLS history. You've got to be getting close. <laughs> I must have, yeah. It's, uh, I'm not keeping count, but uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, it must be a few now. Um, this season alone, I think, I think I might have reached 50, which I'm happy with. Great stuff. Yeah, close close to ever present. Certainly always uh, always picked when you're available for selection. Uh, also with us today, <laughs> reaching for the sky sports, it's Michelle Owen. Welcome back, Michelle. See what you did there. Hi, Matt. You okay? Yeah, it's a bit laboured, isn't it? It's my second podcast of the day and, you know, we're in April, so there's, there's only so much I can do. Um, let's start today by talking about the match that Michelle was at. The only midweek championship game happened on Monday. Significant 1-2 in the promotion picture as Huddersfield beat Luton by two goals to nil. They, they were pretty much worth it, would you say, Michelle? Uh, yeah, better side in the first half. The first half wasn't great. There was no... I thought there'd be more of an edge to it, given what was at stake in that game. And I'm just being attacked by the cat. She clearly doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Sorry. Um, not a terrier. But yeah, a not absolutely. Start talking about the terriers and she's not having it. But yeah, the first half, they were better. They had more chances. Luton only had one shot on target. In fact, they only had one shot on target all game. And it was a pretty weak one from Harry Cornick. They were trying to get down the left-hand side a lot and it just wasn't clicking. And then in the second half, Huddersfield had a really good spell. And then Johnny Russell, well, what a finish. Absolutely audacious attempt. And for me, it, it felt like he meant it all day and a fantastic goal. And then the penalty probably was where the game was decided when Adbajo missed with the with the spot kick, hits the post. He's missed two of his last three now. Um, I felt for him. He just like looked like the ground wanted to swallow him up in that moment. But then obviously it all kicked off after um, Naismith with the shove on O'Brien. But games like that are so big and moments like that are so big, you do expect to see a bit of that at this stage of the season. And the yellow cards started coming out then in the second half. There wasn't even a yellow card in the first half in a game of this magnitude, which was quite surprising. And at some points in the first half, it felt like maybe both would be happy with the draw. But obviously Huddersfield then after that penalty got the second. Naby Sarr comes on and brilliant atmosphere at the John Smith Stadium. And they deserved it overall on the day. But look, credit to Luton. I think with respect to them, they're still punching above their weight. They're still in with a massive shout. A lot for them could be decided this Easter weekend as well. And if they're still there or thereabouts, anything is possible. But Huddersfield should be looking up rather than over their shoulders. You know, if Bournemouth wobble, I think they'll be right on it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Adrian, actually. We've obviously spoken about the potential for Forrest to catch 
Bournemouth, uh, and we've not mentioned Huddersfield. I don't know if that's because of my bias or more likely the fact that Huddersfield have played twice more than Bournemouth. Is, is that the thing that will maybe stop them making a proper push for second, do you think? I think so, yeah. I, it's a tough one. I, I, a lot of it is maybe down to style as well. I think I think and, and momentum and Forest have, have surged, haven't they, up the, up the division. And... <laughs> Maybe yeah, maybe it's us here on the podcast, sort of getting behind behind that push. I don't know. I just don't see Huddersfield as top two material. They're a very curious team, doing brilliantly. Can't take anything away from them. But in open play, they don't blow teams away, do they? They don't have a distinctive style of play. That's I think that I think Clark, I think that's because they're always the thing that I've. I've learned a little bit over speaking to Michael Heffler, who we've had on a couple mm. of times. And when we had Carlos Corbran come over at the end, is I, I felt the same as you. Like They don't have really that style of play, but they're more interested in what the opposition is doing. Mm. So Jonathan Hogg slotted in to be centre-back for the first time, I think, since December 2020 on Monday night to mm. counteract what Luton wanted to do with the two strikers. And like yeah. they, I would agree with you. It's hard to find out what their identity is, isn't it? Because of that, because yeah. they're always, uh, I guess, adapting to their opposition. But is that actually a really clever idea? And has that got them to where they are now? Well, he's a very good tactical coach, clearly, because that approach has worked. It's got them where they are. Yeah, these days, I suppose, when you think about the rivalry of Liverpool and City, it's all about playing to their own strengths rather than worrying about the opposition and negating them. And Huddersfield has sort of flipped it around. But that's what they've got to do, I guess, to succeed because of their budget. The talent pool is smaller. You look at the stats. I mean, in in XG from open play, Huddersfield are ranked 21st. Um, it's remarkable. Um, 10 teams... Ten teams have had more shots than the Terriers. They've scored the most set-piece goals. So that's obviously uh, been very good. You think, well, Huddersfield, do they disrupt the opposition? Is that what they're about? Not really. I looked at the, the PPDA, which is passes per defensive action. It's a gauge of pressing. And they have the lowest or the highest opponents make 15.2 passes before they get anything on it. So they're... You know, they're not getting in teams' faces. So they're a curious team, very efficient, tactically astute. But for me, not quite good enough to finish top two this season. All right. Well, next up, we're going to speak to John Russell. So I won't tell him what you just said. (laughs) Might take it on. Glorious! John. Obvious first question. How many times have you watched the goal back from Monday? Yeah, <laughs> I watched it quite a lot. Too. <laughs> it was everywhere as well. It was um, Sky posted it, so it was, uh, it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I watched it quite a bit. Were you really pleased that it was a Sky game that you managed to get that goal in? Because it did mean that it was all over social media for yeah, the next yeah, that's, hours. that's a plus. That's definitely a plus. I, mean, I didn't actually realise until I was playing that was on Sky, so... <laughs> so that's a definite plus. That's good. Uh, it must be a really good mood in the camp at the moment. But back to back victories, you, that little blip that you had seems to seems to be behind you. And are you kind of are you as a group? Are you pleased that a lot of the noise has been around sort of Forest, Fulham, and, and Bournemouth rather than yourselves? And, and you've been a bit more going about things via stealth, or, or do you feel that you deserve a bit more credit than you've been given? Um, I don't think. I, I don't think we're, we're particularly looking at. Um, the noise and I think 
I think a lot of people get like hold up on on what we should be doing, but I think like as as a team, we're just focusing on uh, the results and you know train every day, work hard, just get the results that we need to to get um, to where we want to be. Um, you know, we want to get promoted. So um, being an underdog, they they, they say well, that we are, which is fine. We just got to just do what we we're good at and just get performing and hopefully get results our way. Was this always the aim at the start of the season? Because the bookies had you among the favourites to go down. Was there talk in the camp about a promotion bid or was it a bit less ambitious than that? Anyway, no, we never we never talked about uh, going down. Last year was, wasn't was great, but this year I think uh, we had a, a much more positive out, outlook on it. And we from the start we were, we were getting decent results and so the around the around the training ground has been very positive. So we just kept that uh narrative of being positive and and it's gotten to where we we are now. Obviously the manager's a massive part of that. How impressed have you been with him? What's training like under him and, and presumably he keeps everybody happy. I mean the results do that, but but he seems like a good man manager as well. Yeah, no, he's he's, he's a good he's a great manager, Carlos. He he, he works on everyone's like weakness which is which is amazing especially for me worked on a lot of uh, a lot of my weaknesses and he's he's a very good he's good at, at, at motivation speeches so he's very good at that he's, he's a good guider as well so he, he keeps the keeps a level high in training every day and that definitely helps us get good results are you a fan of the chinos are you a chino guy yourself nah for you for you personally you, you were on loan at Stanley last season weren't you how important is that in, you, in your de- development as a footballer because I'm guessing you noticed the, the jump between under 23's football and, and men's football particularly you know in the hurly burly of League One that, that's got to be key for you to, to develop into a, a senior footballer yeah that I would always say to anyone who asks me that I say that Accrington, that loan spell was was massive for me. I learned like how to like drive with the ball, how to like even head up. A lot of lot of things that you don't do in in academy and twenty threes. Um, so it was, a, it was a very good job. I always say whoever says like oh, was it was it a good loan? I say yeah, hundred percent. It's very good. I learned I learned a lot. Built, grown grown a lot as a player and as a person. So you're a Chelsea Academy graduate. I mean, you only need to look through the EFL at the moment to see how successful that academy has been in terms of producing footballers, whether they be for, for Chelsea or otherwise. That that was a great place to to get your grounding in the game, I suppose. Yeah, I think if I think I think everyone needs that if if they if they're trying to you know go up a level. Um, I think it's, it, yeah, like I said, it grows you, and I think even if you don't do well. Like get lots of games on on the loan. Um, you've you've learned a lot, so which will enable you to to progress as a player and take you on to the next club or situation you're in. Um, you know, a lot of players go out on loan and you don't see them doing that great. And some do great, but um, a lot of the time they're not doing that great. But they've learned a lot, and the next few years you see them doing really good. And I guess it was it was helpful for you to come to Huddersfield with, with Levi Colwell being here for the season. And of course, latterly Tino Andrin's there as well. So it's kind of getting the band back together from, from the Cobham days. Yeah, I heard they were fine. I thought they were going to get a few more. I mean, our squad. No, no, it's, it's great, it's great um, you know, having them here. It's, it's friendly faces. So uh, 
get along. We all get along. We all see each other outside of football and stuff. So um, it's, it's good having them around. So in terms of um, the upcoming fixtures, you, you've got what QPR and Middlesbrough, two two playoff contenders. They're, they're going to be key games for you, then, aren't they? Because it, it's one thing, you know, building up your own points total. But if you can take points off teams who, who you're in there with, that that's, yeah. that can be a great psychological blow. Yeah, yeah, massive. Definitely. Um, you know, last get last game was massive as well. We just got to keep pressing. To be honest, I think we just got to focus on our results. We have to got we got targets, and uh, we, we got to try and come, you know, try and do them targets. Try and um, do it at our best of our level. Get the results we need. We we all, we everyone's talking about get promotion, getting playoffs, promotion. So um, the only way to do that is is winning games. So if we do that, we'll take the pressure off us. Uh, now, John, we always finish with a super serious, difficult question. Here's yours. Huddersfield Town, of course are the Terriers. Uh, if you were a breed of dog as a footballer, what would you be? Hold on a minute. Is this is this is this a trick question? <laughs> if I, no. I tell you what, if I was a dog, I'd be a mastiff. Right, okay. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Kind of, yeah, kind of kind of bite, a bit, bit of bite in midfield. That's what you're thinking. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Big big yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Like that. Boom trooper. Yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Yeah. Fabulous answer. John, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Best of luck for the Easter fixtures and for the rest of the season. Who knows where it will take you. Thank you, I Appreciate it. John Russell there, Mr Chips. Uh, next today, we'll have a chat about what happened in League One since last we spoke. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line and we're talking to Man United fan Carl. Yeah, I'm worried about the trip to Liverpool. It's the game I'd be worried about, Carl, not the trip. Yeah, at least the M62 won't be one-way traffic. It's not always rewarding being a Man United fan, but if you want rewards, you can get a free bet if one leg of your bet builder on Liverpool v Man United lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Win two plus legs. Max one free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Goalless between Burton Albion and Wigan Athletic at the Pirelli, a result that leaves Wigan four points clear at the top of the table with a game in hand over MK Dons. Uh, We've all heard of the importance of rest for players, but Max Power has gone a step further after the match. This is what he tweeted. Nowhere near our best tonight, but ground out another point. Thanks for your support. Rest up and look ahead to Saturday. Blue circle emoji. White circle emoji. Why he didn't add rest up to be at max power for Saturday, um, I'll never know. Uh, but still, not a great result, but but an okay result for them. Uh, Burton-wise, though, this is what caught my eye from, from this game, Adrian. No goals in four. When three of their last 17, they feel like they could do with a real overhaul in the summer because the first half of the season was quite promising for them and they've just been really meh since then. <laughs> They kind of have, haven't they? We've not really talked about them that much. They've not been especially interesting. Very up and down. Um, hard to hard to get a read on them. 
Um, this is a good result, isn't it? Late on in the season, not much to play for. I think the, the, the biggest tribute we should probably pay to Burton is that they've not even been spoke about in the relegation mix, have they? They've, they've, they've been nowhere near it. So, so that I think is is a testament to to them playing to their potential. I guess it did make me not chuckle, but it was interesting to see Mancien and Borthwick Jackson as the central midfield partnership in this game. Real throwback players. They were supposed to be the next big thing in the Premier League. Mancien more of a defender. Borthwick Jackson a fullback, and here they are using their obvious technical ability. In, in the middle of the park at, at League One level. But um, yeah, they did well here. Competitive game by all accounts. Could have gone either way. And if anything, they were unlucky not to not to nick the win. It was a, an, an amazing goal line clearance at the end denied them. Yeah, and always love a defender getting his boot caught in the net as well to finish that off. Uh, the big result though came at Fratton Park. Rotherham now officially having a wobble after they got beaten 3-0 by Portsmouth at Fratton Park. Paul Warren says, we've still got it in our hands. It's a difficult pill to swallow. I thought we put a marker down tonight. It's a lot of cliches in one sentence uh, from Paul Warren. Three league losses in a row for them, Michelle. Any idea what's gone wrong? I thought the marking for a couple of the goals was absolutely abysmal here. Yeah, a month ago, March 15th, Rotherham were seven points clear of MK Dons and they are now third. And like you said there, Matt, their, their form's been really poor. Uh, before their current run of four defeats in six, they'd only lost four of their previous 33 League One games. And you thought when you saw them at Wembley win the Papa John's Trophy that that would spur them on. That would be the thing to sort of send them forward and get out of. I think I said to Paul Warren after, it's a bit of a wob- wobble, wobbly bit of form. I was trying to say it as nicely as I could. And he's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, but even on that day, defensively against Sutton United, they did look a little bit flat-footed. They didn't look organised at times. But the thing I took out of that day was Paul was so happy that he had a full selection to choose from. The squad was pretty much fully fit. I, I don't know. Is it is it the psychological thing at this stage of the season? Because you just said a month ago you'd have you're a betting person, you would have put a lot of money on Rotherham to go up. But one clean sheet in the last six League One games, they'd kept nine in their previous ten. So I think what you've mentioned about defence defense there, Matt, is, is pretty spot on. I think Rotherham have lost their edge, physically and mentally. So if you start with mentally, it's the pressure. It's the build-up of being chased. I think MK Dons have done a great job at applying pressure by by doing their their bit and it's got into their heads a little bit and they've tightened up certainly in front of goal haven't they goodness me I think five five blanks now in seven they've scored 10 goals in their last 12 so this is not just a sort of recent blip I was looking at the form table that the, the mid table for the last 12 which is you know it's quarter of the season so so I think mentally they've tightened up and physically, this might be the the thing. They were they steamrolled teams. They were so strong, so fit, so powerful, and uh, and and that that was you know a huge asset to them. I think they've just become a bit jaded. I think the season's gone on and on and on. Had a lot of football, and they've lost a physical edge. And 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 when you sort of go beneath that, they they're not that creative a team. They don't have that much invention. And and for me, that's why they're stumbling. So, yeah, I personally, and I'm completely neutral on this. 
personally, I hope they do go up as in top two because it'll be pretty devastating for them having been there the whole season. But uh, but yeah, I, I fear now that they that they'll end up in the playoffs and that they'll get eliminated in those playoffs because the form is so bad. Dropped off last season as well, didn't it? Albeit they had to play hundreds of games in the space of about two weeks. Uh, now, on Monday, I opined that Dave Artel would get the chance to bring crew back to League One following the confirmation <laughs> of their relegation last weekend. It was about an hour later that they, uh, the club found the appropriate corner flag JPEG and, and shipped him out. Alex Morris will take charge of the final four games. He said, when I address the players, there'll be things said for effect because they need loving. Um Clarky, I kind of feel like if you're one of the players and you hear that, then you know that when he then says to you, you're the best winger that I've ever seen, he doesn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, players would take it. They'll take it. But yeah, deep down, if they thought about it, they'd be like, oh, he's having me on here. <laughs> it's it's a strange one. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have said that out loud in, in a presser. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Artel probably can't grumble too much because it's been such a bad season, but but he'd done a lot of good work before that, hadn't he? So that's why we were speculating as to whether we might be able to, to cling on and, and to rebuild. Yeah, they'll be liberated, won't they, between now and the end of the season? The pressure's off, they're down. They can just try and enjoy their football, I suppose. And maybe, if decisions haven't been made yet, play for their futures out of the club. That's what this time of the year often is about, especially if you are in, you know, you're either down, up or in mid-table, you're playing for a contract. So it'd be interesting to see how the team react. I think it's interesting, Michelle, that they've put Alex Morris in charge of these final four games. I wonder if that means that they are thinking of appointing somebody who's currently in a job, because otherwise, surely it would be better to, to get somebody in and let them have these final four games to get to know the squad a bit. Yeah, and then you'd think they'd be able to choose who and, and what they wanted to do over summer. That feels like a logical way to think about it. But obviously, we don't know really everything going on behind the scenes. But yeah, he'd been there for a long while, just over five years, David Artel. So perhaps they're going to take their time over it, pick someone, like you say, that might be in the job presently and they want to take out over summer. But you just have to hope for crew fans, they do it quite early on in the summer you don't want to be left in a situation where they appoint them you know middle of July when you're trying to get pre-season done you're trying to make signings so look with the time scale involved they should easily be able to get someone in place if they've got their eye on someone and be able to start talking to them at the end of the season if that's how these things work and align but it depends who they're looking for and unfortunately we're not privy to those conversations so your guess is as, as good as mine from my experience like players need to know at the end of the the season you're kind of waiting for that meeting with the gaffer to say well what's happening is it am I, am I off or am I getting another year or two years or whatever and there's no one there to make that call it's a real limbo situation for everyone isn't it so they obviously they've decided that they don't want Artel making that decision but they need I think to get someone employed to to, to think to at least think about who they want to keep and who they don't want on board yeah they're a crew without a captain at the moment you could say um moving swiftly on next today we'll look ahead to a bumper week <laughs> next today we'll look ahead to a bumper easter weekend of efl action this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. All right, Michelle, tell us about your mammoth broadcasting weekend. You're the League One specialist for Sky for Easter. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. So, um, Pratch is taking the championship. He's doing Friday, Monday, and I'm a sandwich in the middle with League One on the Saturday. So, we've got three games, and they're three massive games. And I've got to say, all the ones on Sky over the weekend... Actually, on, on Monday, there's there's not just championship, there's League One games as well. Friday's all championship, but Saturday is all League One. And they're all huge games that we've managed to to show, which is really exciting. We've just been talking about Rotherham Ipswich, uh, obviously huge for Rotherham. Wigan-Cambridge as well. And Wigan, they need nine points from the final games. From their, How many are there? Five games to guarantee promotion. So you'd say they're looking pretty good for it if they win on Saturday. And MK Don Sheffield Wednesday as well. That's the final one on Saturday evening at 7.45. Uh, MK Don's ninth on Christmas Day. They've won more points than any other team in League One since then. Their running looks pretty tasty. They've got to play Argyle on the, on the final day, which looks a massive game right now. And obviously Sheffield Wednesday as well, going for the playoffs, if not looking higher, if they can pick up some serious points. But it's uh it's a brilliant weekend. I can't wait. Easter weekend always feels huge, especially when it comes that little bit later in in the season because Sheffield Wednesday, they're 10 points behind at the moment, um, MK Dons with with a game in hand. So it's huge, that League One playoff race, that League One promotion race, just like the championship. It's so, so tight and so, so thrilling. And there's going to be games further down as well that are affected over the weekend. So it feels like almost, if you were to look down the fixture list, I can't give you a percentage because I'm not good at maths, but like pretty much all the games have something riding on it across the leagues. It's easy to pick out loads of them. And it feels like this is a weekend when it comes this late in the season, when we have a late Easter, that always dictates a lot of what follows. So it's one of my favourite weekends of the year, actually. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Uh, other than the games that we're going to look at in detail, Clark, are there any, any teams or, or matches in particular that, that you're going to be keeping a, a keen eye on? Yeah, well, I'm going to be at uh, Wickham Plymouth um, for the radio tomorrow. So I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to seeing some beef. We all we all like that, don't we? And and there's plenty riding on the game. So um, yeah, that's going to be tasty. I've got my car park uh, badge that's just come through. <laughs> Obviously, the best the best known car park in the country. So yeah, I've got in. So that's that that that's a start. And it'll um, take ten no, years th- to get th- out. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, look, yeah, looking around at the leagues in the championship, Sheffield United, I think, have got a good weekend coming up. They've got to take advantage. They've got Reading at home. They've got Bristol City away. For me, they're two two very winnable fixtures. And if they get the six, then then they can book their place in the playoffs almost. Bournemouth have got a defining weekend. They're at home to Borough. Very tough game for them and then they're away at Coventry Coventry loves to slay the big boys don't they that's not an easy fixture um, and in League 2 the, 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 there's two teams that stand out Forest Green I think can pretty much wrap it up this weekend Barrow away Oldham at home I know they're having a wobble but if they can get the job done there they can, they can book themselves a place in League 1 and my old, my old team Stevenage I'm keeping everything crossed for them this weekend home to Rochdale Away to Scunthorpe, fantastic opportunity for six precious points. And if they get six precious points, I think they stay up. Uh, Let's go a bit deeper then on some of the Good Friday games. We'll start in the Championship, Bournemouth against Middlesbrough, one that we've mentioned already. Both sides really needing to return to winning ways. Bournemouth second, played twice less than Huddersfield in third. A four-point gap between those two, six points to them and Forest. Second best attack, joint best defence, haven't scored in their past two games. They've got a, a pretty tough run in as well, Michelle, haven't they? Starting with this game, but but even after that, Coventry, Fulham, Swansea, Blackburn, Forest, Millwall, there's no gimmies there. So it's it's far from certain that they're going to be back in the Prem next season. That's why I said earlier, you know, if Bournemouth are to have a wobble, I think there's teams like Forest and, and Huddersfield that will be right on it at this moment in time. Everything changes with one result at this point of the season. But yeah, just for me, Bournemouth... I. I enjoy watching them. I think they've got an incredible squad, but they haven't been really convincing since their unbeaten run came to an end. Been a little bit inconsistent at times, but do you know what? Saying that, they've got the fourth best home record in the Championship this season. So they like being at home. They lost 1-0 to Middlesbrough in the other fixture this season, but that (laughs) run-in... It's pretty horrendous. That Forest game they've still got to play that was postponed because of the storm damage as well. I think that could be huge in a couple. I think that's May the 3rd, that one. Um, <laughs> look, they're, they're in the driving seat. Their fate is in their own hands right now. But is it easier to be chased or is it easier to be the chasing at this point of the season because the pressure's off you? So look, with the money they've spent in January, with the squad they've assembled and the depth they've got, for Scott Parker, he has to, for me, he has to get them up automatically, really. Yeah, you'd think so. But uh, Middlesbrough, I mean, they're kind of staunch opponents, Clarkie, but but also they lost at home to Hull last week. Uh, lost back-to-back games now, three points off the playoffs, eight draws this season. But if you were, were going to pick a manager out of the two to get you over the line, you'd probably go Chris Wilder over Scott Parker, wouldn't you? Well, they're both good, aren't they? I wouldn't want to... Yeah, I rate Chris Wilder. I think Chris Wilder's one of the best sort of English coaches out there. Scott Parker's making his way. So yeah, I'd have Wilder ahead of Parker if I was to sort of rank them. But I think they're both pretty good. Parker's a, a, a astute tactician. Um, but here for this game, Borough have to play on Bournemouth's anxiety. It's obvious that, they're, that they've tensed up, that they're not playing with that fluency and they've got to try and force mistakes and really get in their faces and be assertive, I think, in the early stages of this game. They're hard to break down. I don't think there was any shame in losing to Fulham, but obviously Hull was a bad 
bad performance, bad result. But they've only let in two in their last five, I think. that You know, the back three is tremendous. What does Wilder do with the goalie? Because he's publicly sort of criticised him, hasn't he, Joe Lumley? So that would be an interesting team selection. Um, but no, I think Borough can, can be competitive and, and, and potentially cause cause an upset here. The, if they had a striker, like a, a real goal scorer, they would maybe be where Bournemouth are, in my opinion. They've lacked... If they had Solanke in their team, Middlesbrough, I think they'd be in the top two and, and that we wouldn't even be questioning whether they would be good enough to go up. That's the one missing link. They've got decent front men, but I think all five of the strikers that they've used have, co- have scored a combined 25 goals. Now, I can't recall what Solanke's on, but he's probably on that, around about that himself. So that's the difference. Um, you look around the other 10 positions, I think this is a fairly even game. 24, he's on Solanke. Uh, it's a long old trip for Middlesbrough, 636 mile round trip to be specific. Not normally a happy one either. They've conceded 13 goals on their last four visits, lost them all, haven't won at Dean Court slash the Vitality since 1991. Uh, in League One, it is Wickham against Plymouth, the game we're focusing on. We've touched on it already. A big game in the Owen household because Michelle's husband is a Plymouth fan. Uh, it's also going to be Matt Bloomfield Day at Adams Park. They're celebrating the career of the legendary midfielder who announced his retirement recently following concussion. Uh, it's always somebody day at Adams Park. Isn't it? it was Akin Fenwood Day the other, the other week. Car Park Day, as we've mentioned throughout the season. Um, so you're going to be there Clarkey, Wickham outside the playoffs due to their inferior head-to-head record with Sunderland. That's how tight it is. Uh, they've got a tough run in too, haven't they? Starting with this game, where are we at in terms of Wickham actually getting a playoff place at the moment? Well, if they win the game, they're, they're probably in pole position because you look at the Wimbledon match, they'd be favourites. Burton, certainly on the last day, they'd be favourites. Sheffield Wednesday's clearly a, a really tricky one for them. But... Yeah, they've put themselves in the mix, haven't they? They've sorted out their defensive woes. They had a shocking run, didn't they? Um, but now they've got f- four clean sheets in a row at Adams Park. If they could get another one against Plymouth, that would be that would be tremendous uh, on their part. Um, they're going to have to have a reshuffle because Lewis Wing is suspended. So that be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but no, I like Wickham. I'm expecting a good game. 53 open play goals this season for Wickham. Um, that's second only to Oxford, who we always talk about Oxford, aren't they exciting? Aren't they the best sort of attack-minded side in the in the division? Well, you know, Wickham aren't that far behind them. They've been might not be as pretty to watch at times, but they're they're pretty effective in terms of their their, their attacking prowess. And and obviously with Sam Vokes in good form, he's got seven in his last eleven, then yeah, they're well set up here to attack the game and to get what what could be a precious precious victory against Plymouth. So um, yeah, interesting. But there's not much to choose between any of these playoff contenders. I think they're all they're all good. They're all worthy. It's just about who finishes the campaign. Uh, you know, strongest. So Wickham score goals, but Michelle, Plymouth just don't concede them, do they? Immense defensive record of late, uh, only conceding one goal in the last nine matches and, and maybe still in the conversation for, for automatic promotion too, five points off it, but but only one defeat in 10. Yeah, I, I would say they have to be in the conversation for automatics and like I said, 
just earlier, would you rather be chasing or chased? And I think the pressure's off when you're you're chasing a little bit. And when you look at Plymouth Argyle and what Stephen Schumacher has done with that squad, it's been it's been pretty incredible. They win this game on Friday. They move on to 81, two points behind MPK Dons, who then have to go and do it on Saturday. So it's that psychological thing again. But, I mean, the, the Plymouth Argyle fans, the Green Army, the numbers they travel in as well. It was a goalish draw last Saturday. Not the most thrilling, but a clean sheet. Uh 3,398 were at the ground and from what I've seen, they took up a large section of it behind the goal and they've sold out 1,800, I think, against Wickham. All gone. And <laughs> like I said earlier to Clarkey, it's it's always a little bit needly, this one. They just don't like each other, these two teams. And at this stage of the season, another massive game. So it's hard to say on this one. I would quite fancy a goalish draw, but they've just had one of those. <laughs> Don't um, say that. I'm sorry. That. Sorry, Clark. He's going to set you up for a very good Friday. But they, they'll they go there for the confidence, the run they've been on and, and where they are on the table. Playoffs for Plymouth Argyle and where they've come from will be fantastic this season. But when you're five points off with this amount of games to go, knowing you're playing first, what a luxury. And for Wickham, they'll be looking at it thinking, yeah, we've got to win this to keep the pace in what is a very tight race. Uh, Clarky, we delighted to hear that following the success of the Bayo Burger at Adebayo Akinfenwa's celebration game against Doncaster earlier this month, the Hellfire BBQ is delighted to launch a Bloomfield Burger, uh, which will be available on Friday. It's made up of barbecue grilled halloumi with roasted red peppers, spiced chili jam, caramelised red onions and rockets served in a brioche bun. So if you've got nine quid on you, you have to yourself a Bloomfield Burger. Mm. Nine London quid? The prices those, aren't they? Yes, yeah. That is unbelievable. I am vegetarian, but... Nine quid. <laughs> I mean, it sounds. It sounds. It does sound glorious, but you're gonna have one. I don't know. I might just take the free the free biscuits in the press room. Oh yeah. What are they not doing food in the press room there anymore? I don't know. I haven't been there for ages. So oh no, yeah, they do have no. food. Yeah, you might get a oh. pie or some chips if you're lucky. Although I haven't been for a couple of seasons, so I may be um, hiring your expectations too much when you were. While I'm on around. this, while I'm on this subject, right across the EFL, I, t- I applaud the press room uh, people because they've been putting on hot food for for months now it's but they've really looked after the journalists at the games arsenal still get a packed lunch in a little brown paper brown paper bag they can't be bothered they can't be bothered to to go back to the hot dinners yet it's uh, it's an outrage so well what done what do you get in the packed lunch though that's the big question sandwich bag of crisps bit of fruit and a chocolate bar it's, Look, it's like the kids' meal deal. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal used to be the leaders. Used to have a three-course banquet, maybe four-course. So, yeah, this is this is why I'm, I'm I'm so miffed. But well done, the EFL. You've you've embarrassed the Gooners. Uh, brown paper bags are a nice touch. They're a little tribute to George Graham, respecting the history. Uh, all of that. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Uh, quick, let's move on to League Two, where we're looking at Barrow against Forest Green Rovers, another game we've touched on. How's this not being sponsored by a garden centre, by the way? Barrow against Forest Green. That's an absolute tapping for somebody. Uh, really disappointing. Uh, FGR will be promoted if they beat Barrow and then Oldham at home, so long as one of Mansfield or Port Vale lose one of their games. Uh, in terms of Barrow, Adrian, we mentioned it, didn't we, when Phil Brown was appointed that, that he maybe didn't look at the fixture list closely enough. And here's another example of that. They're coming into this one on the back of a four-match losing streak. Now they face the outstanding team in the division. So, yeah, good luck, Phil. 
Yeah, good luck indeed. I genuinely think that might have happened. Like they didn't think about the fixtures because they're in trouble. I've been saying it for weeks that they've been in trouble. They can obviously pull a pull a result out of the bag here and, and it can change everything. But they've lost four in a row. Three home wins out of 20 this season. So it's not, not an intimidating ground. Forest Green are the best away team in the division. They've only lost one of 19. So everything points towards Forest Green maybe wrapping things up with this. Um, it's scoring goals for Barrow. That's the issue. Um, they've scored one or zero in 33 of 40 matches. I mean, seven out of 40 where they've scored twice. It it puts way too much pressure on their, on their defending, which is actually pretty good. But, um, but yeah, you, you sense even a Forest Green that are not really up at it at the moment might have, might have too much for them here, especially with the, the incentive, the motivation. So yeah, this could be, this could be a really tough weekend for, for Barrow uh, who haven't had that, that new manager bounce under Brown yet. That, that's a key point, I think, Michelle, that, that Adrian makes there. The, the motivation now is clear for FGR, isn't it? You know, they, they had that little wobble. They are unbeaten in, in five games now, but they've kind of been cruising towards promotion for months, it seems. But now that the finish line's in sight and, OK, this is tangibly what you need to do to do it, that should be all the motivation they need. Yeah, I, I think they've got enough in the bag to get there now. I mean, the the five points clear Exeter in seconds and 10 points ahead of Mansfield and fourth, six matches to go, 10 points. It would have to be a pretty cataclysmic downfall if they're not to make it. And look what happened in the semi-finals last year, beaten by Newport 4-3. There's players there that experienced that. They've been at the top of the table since September. They went on that run of 19 matches where we listed off all the holidays they'd enjoyed uh, into February. And since then, yeah, they've been a, a little bit wobbly to be kind about it. But I think if luck goes their way, they'll do it this weekend, and which is massive for a team like Forest Green. And they've got the best away record in the league. So when you look at it on paper and how Barrow are not doing at the moment, then then surely this this should be straightforward. Should be. Uh, also in League Two, by the way, I love the way Abby's written this because it sounds like the plot to a Saturday night ITV game show. Scunthorpe United could drop out of the EFL pyramid should they fall to defeat against Leighton Orient this Friday. Um, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. All right, before we finish, let's get some odds on the games we've been talking about, courtesy of Paddy Power here, represented by producer Abby. Uh, Abby, what have you got for us? We'll begin in the championship. It's Bournemouth who are the favourites. They are 19 to 20 to beat Borough. Borough themselves 14 to 5, and the draw is 23 to 10. We mentioned Solanke as kind of the uh, difference maker between these two sides. He's a 6 to 4 anytime goal scorer. Uh, into League One, and it's uh, Wickham who are the favourites. They are evens to beat Plymouth, who are 12 to 5, and the draw is 13 to 5 here. If you fancy Michelle's nil nil draw, that is going to be 9 to 1 in the Paddy Power odds, and in League to Barrow are 14 to 5 but Forest Green the obvious favourites in this one they are evens with the draw 23 to 10 and uh, if you fancy uh, the same score as the reverse which was a 2-0 Forest Green win that comes in at 8 to 1 Thanks Abby you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app it's over 18s only prices are accurate at the time of recording T's and C supply and when the fun stops stop <laughs> 
So the EFL have today announced the contenders, the nominees for the Player of the Season awards across the division. Uh, in the Champo, we've got Mitrovic, Solanke or Harry Wilson. Mm, I, I think this is this is pretty clear who might win this, Michelle, and I don't think it's going to be Harry Wilson. Yeah, poor Harry Wilson, but it's going to go to his teammate, isn't it? 38 appearances, 38 goals, seven assists. Surely he's going to hit 40 now. What an amazing season he's had. He, he was flying from the start. He's continued the form all the way through. And where would Fulham be without his goals? He's that player that is so good at this level. We're just going to hopefully see that Mitrovic in the Premier League next season. When you score that many goals and and as a former striker myself... For me, it's all about the goals and where would your team be without them? And what about League One, Clarkie? Who's your pick out of Barry Bannon, Michael Smith or Scott Twine? It's a tough one because yeah, they've all been great. Smith's season's tailed off, hasn't it? Badly. A little bit like Rotherham's. Do you know what? Bannon's awesome player. But I would go with Scott Twine because I think MK Don's a, a kind of the story in, in League One. Their manager walks out on them. Right at the start of the season, they appoint a rookie and you think it's all going to go wrong. <laughs> it's been the opposite. It's been glorious. And Scott Twine has, I think, made 27 direct goal contributions. That's either scoring or assisting. So 27 uh, contributions is, is fabulous. Um, so yeah, I would go with Twine. But I also like, just like him as a player because he's got that mercurial bit of magic about him as well. Uh, League two, the options are Matty Stevens and Kane Wilson of FGR or Dominic Telford, you'd imagine, be one of the FGR players who would scoop that. I'll go Kane Wilson, yeah. Okay. All the assists. All Why? the assists. Just think, just think Kane Wilson has been incredible, like in terms of his output, just consistently, consistently delivering for Forest Green all season. And uh, yeah, it's not, these kind of awards often go to strikers. And and for it to go to a wing back, I think it would be it would be would be quite nice. And he he's been head and shoulders the best wing back. Yeah, Telford twenty four goals, but he hasn't actually scored since the end of Feb. Uh, okay, as we've been mentioning throughout the show, it is Easter this weekend. Obviously, I'm going to ask you uh, to pair up a team or a manager with a chocolate bar. Uh, I'll start with Brennan Johnson as a twirl because that's what he does with the ball at his feet. And, and I love him um, you know Steve Cooper Dame Whitehouse Smarties but but I'll take some non-forest ones what have you got for me Adrian <laughs> I'm so bad John Coleman John Coleman's buttons because that's all he's got to work with each, each and every <laughs> Very season good. Uh, <laughs> your mate Alex Neal mini eggs oh you're you know, taking my mini eggs ah, <laughs> uh, and, and look the, 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 I hammered him on the last show. I'll do it again, but I do love him. He's 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 a brilliant player, great manager, Wayne Rooney, but you know, Kit Kat chunky all day long. <laughs> I was going to say Toffee Crisp for Wayne Rooney. I don't know why. Why? Um, I don't know. And I, I just think about that that Liam Gallagher quote about Wayne Rooney's hair transplant making him look like a balloon with crushed Weetabix on the top of it. Very cool. <laughs> um, what, what did you go for, Michelle? Um, well, actually, I had one you would have loved for Brennan Johnson. Um, being a Malteser because the way he sort of floats past players, oh, the nice. knock and run. Yeah. Mm. And then I was trying to think one. I'm trying to think of someone. You guys can help me out for the the Cadbury cream egg, hard on the outside but soft in the middle. Who embodies mm. that in the EFL? Is there a manager or a player? 
and I can't think of anyone, so it was a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a bit of a rubbish one. Um, Do you know what? I think Alex Neil. Neil Warnock is a bit. Cabri Neil Warnock's cream, a Cadbury really. cream egg. He's such a Cadbury cream egg. There we are. <laughs> There's your title for the podcast, Abby. <laughs> um, I also had West Brom after eight on a Friday when they normally. Oh, play. and Reading always after yeah. eight. They're the yeah. two teams in the ESL that always play after eight. Scunthorpe, Rolo, Ver. As in, that's oh, kind of what that's a bit they've harsh. done this season. QPR, Flake, you know, because they're a bit flaky. The most obvious one is obviously uh, Millwall, Lionbar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got that too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever you're up to over the Easter weekend, do enjoy it. There's so much EFL action you can't help, but that'll do us for today, though. Many thanks to producer Abby to Adrian to Michelle we will be back on Tuesday rather than Monday next week because we want to be able to reflect on everything that happens on Easter Monday in the Football League do join us for that if you can until then from all of us here it's bye for now you've been listening to the Totally Football League show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally show on Twitter and on Insta find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show the totally football league show is an athletic media company production the athletic